entertainment, sports, culture. This is Raleigh Co. Radio, podcast presented by Raleigh and Company. I'm telling you the song at the very top because I don't even think you could call Star Sailor a one-hit wonder. I mean, you might remember that song if you watched a lot of MTV2 uh, in the early part of this uh, you know, century, I guess. <laughs> but uh, but I definitely would not call that a uh, that a hit, that's for sure. Uh, I'm Dimitri. Thank you for uh, listening to this week's edition of Spooning with Dimitri. My guest is Matt Boyd. I've known Matt uh, for the better part of about 10 years. He owns... Excuse me. All of the uh, Buffalo Brothers restaurants, uh, not only here in well, I mean here in Raleigh, but he'll own them wherever they are because that's his uh, that's his baby. The reason I chose Good Souls today is you'll find that Buffalo Brothers for Matt has centered around two families: the the family of friends that uh, got him to come to Raleigh in the first place and and start their first pizza business, and then on to Buffalo Brothers, and now his family, his wife and his daughter that has changed the way he spends time in the restaurants. Uh, so this is, I guess, the second of, uh, of back-to-back chats uh, with guys that own multiple restaurants, or in Matt's case, multiple locations. And I think that you'll hear Matt talk about, in this one, the identity of Buffalo Brothers, uh, meaning, yes, it's a sports bar, but what niche does it satisfy for sports fans in Raleigh? I found that very interesting because I've never thought about different sports bars attracting different types of fans. And that doesn't mean NC State fans versus UNC fans. That means, well, you'll, you'll hear him talk about it. It's, it's more about uh, who is showing up to watch games at Buffalo Brothers. So anyway, in the, enjoy this chat with Matt Boyd. He is this week's Spooning with Dimitri. place up in new york too right yeah we own uh, alex's place it's uh, steak seafood and ribs mm-hmm. we've owned it since 2007 but it's been there for 25 years yeah so that was one of those things was that uh where you kind of got your start in the restaurant industry uh no that was a convenience uh item we were down here in 2002 we mm-hmm. opened up a pizzeria and then quickly realized that was not going to pay the bills so we yeah. ended up buying capitol boulevard in 2004 from there it became this place um, but before that, we, my partner and his wife had gotten pregnant, mm. wanted to move back. So at the same time, the owner of that restaurant was somehow looking to sell. It was a convenience item. We bought it. 
in 2007. Yeah. And then we both did Lakeman Trail and then Lake Forest and soon Garner. So. Yeah. Did you guys have one in uh, Cary at one point? Yeah, it was on uh, Chatham Street in Cary. It was uh, just a 2,000 square foot yeah. delivery shop that uh, was a... A lot of hard work, not a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was what was the state of Buffalo Brothers when you guys bought the business? Uh, which one? The the one on Capital. Capital, we were we were undefined. You know, yeah. we we had taken the, the story is is that back in '95 when I graduated high school, I'd gotten a job while going to college at a place called Jerry Arena's Pizza in mm-hmm. Batavia, our hometown, and. I, the muck dogs. Well, the muck dogs. That's <laughs> correct. Mentioned once in that uh, the movie. That, uh, <laughs> Which one? It's the one with uh, Freddie Prince Jr. Oh, oh, oh! The Summer Catch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, and at that time, Maddie and I got close. He was working there too. We were both going to school. Both fell out of school from working too much, drinking too much. And then '97, he was offered that business to buy mm-hmm. at 22 years old. So, owner finance deal, not a very good deal. He bought it. We all worked there all kind of felt like we owned it because we were treated that way. And in, in a matter of two years, decided that we were going to take this great idea we had and, and bring it to, to Raleigh. And, Why uh, Raleigh? Uh, we had a friend in Greenville, and uh-huh. he was going to, to master's graduate or something there. <clears throat> We'd driven down in February, mm-hmm. and it was beautiful outside, and there was beautiful girls everywhere. Right. And <laughs> I was like, man, what are we doing? You know, like you grew up in a small town, and you never look past those borders. You're like... You know, Melrose Place doesn't exist. Yeah. But the truth is, it does. It's just not in your town. So we quickly realized, oh, man, we made a giant mistake. Let's, <laughs> let's go the hell out of Batavia. And um, we moved down. I moved down in 01. And then we found a place and we built it. And then in 02, we started it. And our assumption was that we would have this exact replica of the success we had in New York. And yeah. Obviously, that wasn't true. It was a struggle. It was hard. It was, was the one in New York also called Buffalo Brothers? No, it was called Maddie's Pizza. Okay. Um, again, you're 22. You're not sure. using a lot of ideas here. <laughs> so at the time, we had that one going and Buffalo Brothers in Cary that was open. Um, struggling, but open. And then somewhere along the way, I just realized that this was not going to be a, a moneymaker. I wasn't willing to work for minimum wage the rest of my life. Sure. So started exploring the idea of what could we do, better location. Could we move it? Could we open another one? And capital was kind of thrown in our lap, and we bought it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so at that point, you know, we had very little experience in, in full-service restaurant, if any. Yeah. And we just had nothing to lose because we had no money. <laughs> and we had, you know, youth and no commitment. So I was like, we'll make it work. You know, mm-hmm. I remember sitting there immediately after going through the building. At the time, I thought it was the greatest thing on the face of the earth. And the Dunkin' Donuts on Capitol with Maddie and thinking, <laughs> we have to do this. We're going to be so busy. And... um that day, I think we signed the, signed the lease. We got we scraped money from everybody we knew and, mm-hmm. and bought the contents basically, and then we opened up 35 days later with a new concept that we had never really thought about until that day. Yeah, very limited menu, and it was it was hard. You know, we, for six to eight months, I didn't think we were going to make it. You know, mm-hmm. it was just a, every day you go to work and hope for the best. And then, are you married at this point? Yes, you are. Yeah. No, then. Yeah, then. No, then, no, yeah. no, not in 2007. Um, I didn't get married until 2010. Okay. So it was a ways after the, the business had started. Or 2004, sorry. Um, so I just worked all the time. Yeah. You know, I had I had, lived sharing a house with like three guys, and I basically saw work in my bed for right. almost two years. But we educated ourselves, got better at it, started turning to profit. And then after the first year, got a lot better. And 
you know, we became confident we were doing implemented systems, the whole nine yards that every restaurant tour does. And it went that way for, for three years, and we were very, very busy. And my partner then moved to New York, and we did that, which is a totally different concept. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, that move actually probably slowed our growth uh, to some extent because we had broken down the partnership, I guess, the, the bond, the yin and the yang, and yeah. it made us good. But it was, a, it was a good move, though, because I think it, eventually if we were to continue on together in that capacity, it wouldn't be as good. You know, you'd be bumping heads left and right, but because he's there and I'm here, essentially you're left to make your own decisions, right. which is a, a good thing. Right. And that was, that was how we ended up with capital. Yeah. Um, and clearly you guys, or you, I mean, you know, being that you are the half of the partnership down right. here, you must have had some sort of vision for once you got, at least once you got to the point where capital was successful enough right. to start thinking bigger picture, you must have started to think about not just, I want new restaurants, but they need to be specific yeah, places to yeah. work Yeah, I mean, I think at Capital, what we realized was that, I think our initial thought was, hey, we'll just make pizza and wings in a, in a fun sports bar menu, we'll be fine. Right. And then once we got our feet under us, we realized that there was more to the concept. Accidentally had discovered that there was a niche in the market where people can bring their family to mm-hmm. go watch a sports game. Dad right. can have a beer, the kids can have mac and cheese, and suddenly it doesn't feel like you're at a bar, right. even though you have a bar. So we kind of took that and ran with it and um, designed Lake Wind Trail the same way where we had a separate bar area from the restaurant. Mm-hmm. By then, the non-smoking rule had come in, so that was a huge help because yeah. up to that point, bars were tough because you had there's no way to get rid of the smoke. Right. So that was a bonus for us. But then... You know, with the Lake Wind Trail edition, we decided upon certain finishes, and we decided that people like the tall ceiling, or they like whatever it might be. And um, I would think that I think every day we refine ourselves that much more. We discover that there's something that people are missing or need, or you know, you have two kids, and, mm-hmm. and you're not going to bring them to the Bison, obviously, because <laughs> right. it's not the place <laughs> for kids. Um, and I think you know, we our, can't even really bring them to Amras. I mean, I'm sorry, to. Um, uh, Tobacco Road. No, yeah. I yeah, mean, I, mean I, I love that place, but it's like you can't really. No, and I have a kid too, and I, I bring her here. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's convenient. Yeah. And in the end of the day, you know, our biggest competitor in this marketplace is probably the L House. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very good at what they do from the standpoint of it's a great shiny box, it's got a great name, it's a great following, and they're branded very well. Um, but they're a bar. You yeah. know, the, I think their sales are something like 60% alcohol which means that they're just basically cranking out booze. And it's just great. I'm actually envious of that because there's more <laughs> money in that. But um, you're not going to please families as easily. And the first time we ever went toe-to-toe was in Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had a lot of confidence in our product and thought that there was an availability for us to succeed. And you talk about a nice shiny box, the one you have in Wake Forest. Yeah, you know, gorgeous. We, we went all out and <clears throat> we made it um, everything we thought we ever wanted. Yeah. And the customers who knew we were doing it, kept saying, man, aren't you afraid of the Yellow House? And I was like, well, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm, I don't like competition as much as anybody, but I think that it's a good thing when you offer something different. That is the name of the game. I mean, right. Briar Creek is 15 restaurants in a quarter mile. Yet they all seem <laughs> right. to do okay. Um, but we held our own. You know, I think we, we have a lot of families up there that are coming in, and no, we don't have the drinking crowd. That's, that's their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was never by design to do that. And right. I think that... Our new location in Garner we're building now is, again, like our Wake Forest location, only with a little bit more outside. We've got an upstairs outdoor bar. Yeah. Um, 
even further pushing the people outside that want to smoke and drink from the dining family. There's still an indoor bar, but you know, I think if you can cater to both crowds without walking on either one's feet, mm-hmm. everybody's happy. You know? yeah. I mean, nobody at the bar wants a three-year-old running by their feet. Of course. And vice versa. So I, it's, it's a challenge to do that. But I think when you do, you, you usually can succeed as long as you have a good product and good service and a good concept. Yeah. Um, but that's, you know, that's kind of our mantra at this point is to do a better job in service and quality of food than our competitors. And the rest of it will shake itself down. And that's been true. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, in, in this marketplace in particular in Raleigh, the, the chains have a major footprint. And everybody knows it. And I don't think they're actually doing a very good job keeping it. They're actually eating away at themselves mm-hmm. with the new uh, fast, casual counter service dining like Chipotle is eating away at the Chili's business. Right. Um, we have not seen that here because I think our product is still unique enough where there's a actual reason to come here. Mm-hmm. I know if, if you told Matt, told me, hey, let's go to Chili's, Applebee's, or Friday's, you pick, I would say, well, blindfold me and take me. It's all the same thing. Right. You know, and I think if it was Chipotle or Chili's, I know the difference, and I'm mm-hmm. picking Chipotle. Yeah. Um, you know, there, we have a neighbor, Guasaka, who's, I think he's next Chipotle manager. Mm-hmm. He's got a very good product. Yeah. Um, and they're doing very well because they actually have identified that people want something that tastes good. You mm-hmm. know, and that's a big thing is that it isn't about price. People will pay for good product. Mm-hmm. They won't pay for the same refrigerated frozen stuff over right. and over again. And that seems to be the biggest trend in America is that the middle class and, and above has decided that, no, we're not happy with you pushing a button and food coming mm-hmm. out. I can get that in my own fridge. Yeah. You know, I, I want something different. The McDonald's goers are always going to go to McDonald's because it's convenient. They've mm-hmm. got that factor in. So we try to be somewhere in the middle where it's convenient, affordable, tasty, unique. And that, yeah. that's, that's hard to do. Well, you know, also it seems that there is a uh, growing trend not only – you know, I don't want that push a button and here comes my food. But even the, I don't know what the right way to say it is, the um, convenience foods, right. I'd say, for lack of a better term, there is a there's more of a demand on quality now than there used sure. to be. You know, it's I want I want the freshest chicken. I want the freshest vegetables in my quesadilla. I mean, it boils down to even packaged foods. People are now responding right. to no fructose corn syrup. They're looking, and I, yeah, I think you're willing to pay more for not eating GMOs. You know, mm-hmm. Whole Foods is a great example. If you're willing to go to Whole Foods and spend, I think, 25% more on your groceries, yeah. that's an indicator that the market is ready for some change. Yeah. You know, I, I shop there for meats and chicken and that kind of stuff. I don't necessarily go there for the grains and the bread, um, but it, it, there's a difference in quality of the product. And I think once you've experienced it or tasted it, it's, it's very difficult to go backwards and say, yeah, I'll eat that yellow chicken from Food Line. That sounds good. <laughs> right. <you know? laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a consumer-driven market. So all that being said, how often are you eating uh, that convenience food just because after a long day in the restaurant, the last thing you want to think about is then cooking for yourself? Yeah, I think we all do it. I think yeah, of course. It's, it's unfortunate. Um, you know, our, our, our biggest sin, obviously, is our kid, to be honest. I mean, we, we cook at home every night. Um, I don't work. Like I used to, you yeah. Know, I'm I'm usually home by six o'clock. I take my kid up from school or whatever it is. But our our biggest problem now that is, is not the Matt Boyd I met so long. No, ago. yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I was a every night till close kind of guy. Yeah, and I I it took me a long time to get used to that change. Like 
there was a point in my life when if 11 o'clock came and I was sitting down, that was weird. Right. You know? I, and now I'm in bed. And that, that is even more strange. I sometimes fight it. I sleep in my clothes half the time because I think I'm not ready for bed yet. Right. I am not tired. <laughs> and I fall asleep like everybody else. Um, but our kid, you know, she's three. And I think every parent struggles with getting their kid to eat. You know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, we can cook her whatever we want to, but she might not eat that. And so probably once every two weeks or sometimes once a week, we'll go to McDonald's and get her uh, the Happy Meal. Sure. She likes that. And I know she's going to eat it. And it may not be great for her, but she really likes it. And it, right. it's so hard to say no to, Daddy, I want French fries and, and chicken nuggets. And we try to do the, at home, my wife buys these organic chicken nuggets that you bake. It, it's, they taste fine, but they're not good for a three-year-old. They just of course. They want that little boot that comes in the shape of a chicken thing. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's just that it, it is hard, though. And, and you don't want to poison your kid, you know. She doesn't like sweets. We just discovered that she liked ice cream. You know, yeah. that's kind of a cool thing. She's skinny. She's tall and thin. Um, so we're not worried about that part of it. But there's no point in establishing a routine at three that lasts till she's 30 when she's, you know, grossly overweight. We, no one wants to do that to their kid. Right. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's big. the biggest problem we have is the getting dinner on the table as a family and all being able to eat it and not feel like one person is eating garbage. To, <laughs> to make mom and dad happy with the zucchini they're eating. So, <laughs> right. Um, you know, I'm sure you do that same thing. Of course. Everybody does. It's, yeah. it's hard. So when you uh, come to Raleigh, or I'm not going to say when you come to Raleigh, when you get to the point you guys are ready to do a sports bar in Raleigh, mm-hmm. how important or how, how much effort do you put into sort of really getting an intimate knowledge of the Raleigh sports culture? You, you mean when we – we were coming from 2002, or you mean just in general when you're deciding on a restaurant? Uh, when you come in in 2002, um, I, I mean because you know, like you go into the location on Cap or on yeah Capital. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of Buffalo stuff right, up there now. There, right. A lot of cane stuff has made its way right. into the decor. That may have been a mistake in the beginning. Was we catered to the Buffalonians that were here? There were right. so many of the time moving down, and there still is. I mean, I think we've lost a quarter million residents over the last 15 years in Western New York to other places, but. We thought, well, we've got a home run in just yeah. making them feel like they're at home. And we did. You know, that worked out pretty well. But the Bills don't always make it, to, you know, past halfway point of the season. And right. the Sabres are terrible. So, I mean, it, it really paid off for you guys in, what was it, 06? 06 when, was a great year. Yeah. You know, it was a lot of fun. We got our name on the, on the map basically because of that, because of the Kane-Sabres series, which was better than the Stanley Cup in the end. Yeah, absolutely it was. Um, I, I, I wouldn't trade that for the world. I had a lot of fun. I remember working – at the bar and those shifts and talking to people and it was a fantastic experience that mm-hmm. maybe I wish that I could relive I guess but um, and the weird thing to me is I only learned this about you like years later you're not even a Buffalo sports fan no really. it's I grew up uh, you're a sports fan but you grew up uh, I remember the Tigers as your baseball team yeah my you know my dad grew up in Batavia and he was born in 54 and they had this big house and Back then, TV didn't really have, you know, MLB package. So right. it was whatever you could watch. So my grandfather would put them outside with his cousin, and they listened to the transistor radio. And apparently you could pick up Detroit radio from across the lake. Right. So him and his cousin, Scotty, became very familiar with the Tigers. Uh-huh. And they grew to love the Tigers. And my grandpa would watch the Yankees inside, and they, I guess it was like a fun thing. Like, I hate the, the Yankees, and you love the Tigers. So... I grew up a Tigers fan. Yeah. Um, we usually go a couple times each season to see a game. Um, first football game I can ever remember was the 85 Super Bowl. I was seven. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember 
I had a Patriots shirt. I don't know why. I'm not even sure why I was a fan <laughs> of the Patriots, but my dad told me they're going to lose, Matt. They're going to lose. And I said, oh, no, no, they're not going to lose, Dad. You know, what does a seven-year-old know? And uh, I think I bet him a quarter on the top of the TV that they would win. They lost 56 to three or yeah, 10 or 10, something think, terrible. Yeah. At that point, I was forever a Bears fan. I was like, well, that's that's the way to go. This team's great. <laughs> Unfortunately, we haven't seen that good since. But uh, And then, you know, hockey, I was one of the few kids that just didn't grow up playing hockey. Hockey mm-hmm. was very expensive. still is, the equipment. Yeah. Um, I didn't have the luxury of doing that. So my dad didn't skate. So we just didn't, didn't do that. I was more yeah. of a baseball, you know, football person. And uh, I moved down here in 01, and – I think I won tickets on 96 Rock, to be mm-hmm. honest. And I went to a game, and I was like, wow, this is... A Canes game. Yeah, yeah this yeah. is very cool. And uh, at the time, I didn't know they had a team. That's how, <laughs> that's how distance I was from <laughs> hockey. I was just saying, wait, before we moved here, I thought the Carolina Hurricanes played in Charlotte. I yeah, just assumed I, they must. I didn't even watch the Sabres that much. Yeah. So I was like, oh, hockey, this is cool. And, you know, by 06, I was a season ticket holder. And uh, forever since then, I've gone to, you know most of the games every year and yeah it's a, it's a lot of fun even in bad years that it's still fun you yeah know, <laughs> there's been some promising things this year but you know getting back to the the buffalo theme thing i think we we eventually realized that by being so hardcore buffaloes that this is the place we really alienated most of the people in this community right who are not necessarily even professional sporting fans they're just college sports fans right so we kind of you know we pulled back a little bit and and became state fans and unc mm-hmm. followers and i like state i think they're fun to watch they actually remind me of the bills because every team they have hurts you like the bills do they, <laughs> they never quite get to the homeland but they they just promise it and tease it and take it away um so in, in the That's sub- i told everybody all my friends are huge nc state fans when they hired mark godfrey he's yeah. the coach at basketball coach at alabama when i was yep. in school there uh you know i i told him that year did that, he hit on you too huh yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> that year that uh that everyone was talking about the preseason. Oh, this is a top five team. This is a final four team. I was like, you watch. These are the kind of years Mark Godfrey just shits the bed, for lack yeah. of a better term. When no, he's not supposed to do anything, he'll make a run to the Elite Eight. <laughs> when all the uh, eyes of the world are on him, he'll be out by round one or round yeah. two. And they, and they had a good chance this week to cement themselves a place, and they managed to lose to Boston College. I mean, yeah. you figure that out. That doesn't make <laughs> any sense. But, um, you know, the, the subsequent restaurants have been more geared towards – the college sports mm-hmm. and the surrounding community. Um, and to be honest, it's more fun that way. I think it's sure. there's a year-round atmosphere here versus seasonal when you just like two sports. So, right. Well, also, um, you know, not uh, not going so Buffalo heavy in one of my biggest memories of this location, um, because I used to host trivia here uh, yep. back in the day, one of my biggest uh, sports memories in this location is actually one that makes me want to vomit, and that is watching Auburn win the national championship against oh, Oregon. Yeah, yeah. And, and the reason it stands out is because you had a large section of Auburn fans in this section we're sitting in, and yep. you had a pretty strong contingency of maybe yeah. not Auburn or maybe not Oregon fans, but people just rooting against Auburn. Yeah, uh, around the rest of the bar, we have the um, Alabama fan club over at uh, <clears throat> here. Oh, here, yeah, in, the, in this room actually. Yeah, um, they're the guy is, which runs it is a huge fan. He goes to every home game. Yeah, and uh, they're they're pretty dedicated fans. I mean. I, I think college people who like college after college are more rabid about it than of course than even professional. Well, it's because you romanticize it. Yeah, it's like <laughs> this is this fantasy of how I used to be. Because you know, growing up where I grew up, we didn't have college sports. We had Syracuse, but nobody really cared. Um, Buffalo was lucky to get five thousand people in their stands for right. any game. So you know, to me, it was like, why does everybody care so much about these sports? Well, we also didn't have the college community. You know, mm-hmm. ours were spread out campuses. They didn't have the Greek life. 
And since moving down here and really examining it, I understand now that it's not just a four years. It's the rest of your life. Right. You're always going to be Wolfpack or right. whatever it might be. Um, it's I also wish I had that. The, it's also because of the holes down here, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, between Atlanta and Washington until the Hornets came along, right. there was what do you there have? was nothing. I mean, down where I was, between the Braves and Saints, there was nothing. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, naturally you – I think what I don't understand with this area is that if, if you can make hockey work, and, it, and this is a bad year to make this argument because it's a tough year on, for ticket-wise, but they have been long since a successful franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a sport that didn't exist here. You right. just introduced it to a million people, and they seem to like it. Why don't we have baseball? Like, yeah. I mean, there are teams that do not deserve to be where they are. They're just, they have no fans. I mean, Tampa Bay is a good example. They have a terrible stadium. Their fans don't come if they win or and they lose. percentage-wise, their AAA franchise at Durham does yeah, so much better. Exactly. We've got the, the – this is a year-round baseball market. We mm-hmm. love college baseball. We have – is it single-A out in – It's Yeah, now it's single-A, yeah. And, you know – People drive out there to go watch these mm-hmm. games. And they, I know Raleigh's big planned development next for downtown is to is to bring the Hurricanes downtown, mm-hmm. which seems like a tremendous expense to move a very nice arena. Right. Just because you want to have a downtown. Why not do a baseball field downtown? Right. I know I'd buy season tickets, and I think you have the corporate support in this area. RTP is very, very big. Um but it, it never seems to happen, and I just don't understand why. It, you know, I've always thought – my, my thought with it was basketball, um, right. just given the, the college passion here already. But, it's, but to your point, like, we are at the point now with the Canes that it would make sense to have something to pair with them. Right. right? And the reason I always thought basketball is because, well, you just use the same right. arena. But, I mean, baseball makes sense too. Like, the, the, um, to be like Pittsburgh – Right, and it wouldn't have to be this way, but to be like Pittsburgh, where everyone wears the same colors, yes, would be pretty cool. Yeah. Like if red and black became Raleigh's colors. It would be awesome. That'd I mean, be great. Yeah, there's enough space by that arena to have a baseball field. Right, it just isn't where downtown is. So, but I think moving that would be a big mistake. It's central. Yeah. It's easy to get to. Um, but yeah, b- baseball would do so well here. I think people that would go to those games are actually fans of other teams because mm-hmm. now you get to go watch your team come to Raleigh. Right. I mean, that's what I would go for is to see. It's how the Buccaneers got their foothold in Tampa. Exactly. <laughs> right. You know, it does work. And I I guess I wonder about baseball because it, there are just places where you watch those games and there's just nobody home. And it's right. just like, man, what are you doing? <laughs> right. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. But. <clears throat> So tell me uh, a little bit about the about what your day is like now. Because we'll, let's jump back a bit. Because you were talking about that now you are home by six o'clock every day. Right. Is that a result of having a kid, or is that a result of it's different owning three restaurants, owning a franchise, than it is owning a? I think it's a combination of both. I mean, I I, I had my daughter just after opening up Lakefront Trail. I only had two restaurants at that point. And it became more of a priority to be home because my wife was there and she worked. And you want to be a, you want to be a team player, not a, a single parent raising right. your kid. Um, and I think that was a a big motivator for me. But the more locations we add, you know, like right now, by adding Garner, um, my days are full of meetings, mm-hmm. you know, boring meetings where I fill out paperwork and go meet people in offices. Um, it isn't the same. It's yeah. a totally different animal. Like I'm getting up early because I need to be on the computer and sending emails and making agenda for the day versus sleeping till 10, getting up, going to work. And, you know, it's, it's actually a, it's probably a causation situation, not so much a desire. Uh, I like it better. I think in the long <laughs> run, you know, I like having Sundays off or whatever day of I want to take off. But um, there's gotta be a part of you that misses being back in the kitchen. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I miss being needed. 
Let's right. put it that way. Right. Like when I come to work now, I usually pop in on Friday, Saturday night, um, at least one location, maybe two. But I'm usually home by eight o'clock. Yeah. And then the one thing I have an issue with is that you know it could be Super Bowl Sunday or whatever. When I walk in, I'm no longer able to do those jobs in a capacity that would be efficient. So right. I stand there and watch, and I, I think to myself, well, I should do something. And the answer should get the hell out of the way because you're, you're really just in the way now. Yeah. Um, they don't need me to do those jobs. They need me to be the leader of the, the business side of it, not so much the uh, operations side of it. Yeah. So it's a little frustrating because you realize you've lost that ability to do those things. But it's a good feeling, too, because it means you've evolved. You right. Know? And we've all done that. You know, I, don't, I don't care if you're... Lumashakas or the guys who own the tap rooms, you know, mm. like you, you continually evolve forward until you find your, what it is you're going to be. And I don't think really I've been able to define that yet. Um, when I was a kid, I always wanted to be rich. That's what I wanted to be. <laughs> you know, like, like I was 10 years old, I want to have a Corvette. Um, but it turns out that it isn't money. It's, it's something else. You know, I think we, most of us struggle with that their entire career is yeah. finding what it is that they want it to be. Um, some days I want to be by my pool all day. That would be good. Yeah. <laughs> but I think over time that might get boring. Yeah. So, you know, I think ultimately our, our goal or my goal anyway is to develop this company into a multi-regional franchise. Mm-hmm. And franchise really is a tough term because you don't have to franchise to be multi-regional. Right. Um, but something that had a, a brand recognition across an area where even now I would say it's a 50-50 shot. If I meet you on the street and I don't know you and they ask you what you do, it's like, oh, boy, i got, I got to tell you the story. Because either you're going to know and that's going to be easy or i got to explain to you what we are. And it's like right. having an interview every five minutes. <laughs> um, so it would be nice to be just say, you know, I own this or I do this. Right. Know, and, and it would be huge. Um, maybe that's my goal is just to be known. Yeah. Like I think that's a good feeling is to not have to work so hard for your brand brand recognition. Is there still a is there still a part of you in the kitchen in that are the recipes yours or are they Yeah, I mean food wise I'm still putting together the menu. Um, cuz if I mean just following the the story that you told me it sounds like you guys you and your partner and and the buddies that were working with you it sounds like you all sort of took turns being the chef when you started. Yeah, I mean in the end we we kind of we were looking for ways to make that business work. Right. And um and, you know, today with Buffalo Brothers, we, you know, it's the menus, menu development, pricing, all that stuff, it all comes from me. Um, I could never execute it as fast as they can. Right. But I put together the make sheets, the menus, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's just a, it's, a, it's basically a part of my job. I, I wear, I guess, a lot of hats some days. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would say the food is generated from a personal touch, if you want to yeah. call it that. Um, some of which is... Things I remember as a kid, you know, our fish fry is like Western New York fish fry. It's, right. You don't find that here very often. And that would be something maybe we cater to Buffalonians or Western New Yorkers. I know people come in they say, wow, just like back home. And I feel good about that because yeah. we all miss home in some capacity. Right. You know, I, that's the biggest problem of being down here is that it's home now. You know, my right. kid's here. My wife's from here. And we all moved not because we hated where we are from. Like, no one really said, man, I just don't like this place for my friends. Yeah. We moved because we had to, economics and necessity or opportunity. Um, but in the end, it, it, it's going to take a long time for me to say, Raleigh's home. Yeah. I live here. I, I call it home. But yet I always refer to going to Batavia. I'm going home for the weekends. Right. And it'll always be home, I guess, because that's where I was raised. Same for you with Alabama or, yeah. or whatever. But, um, you know, it's for me and, and uh, you know, I, I don't know. The, the culture of Western New York well enough to, to know if it's the same way. But for me, it's like 
last month um, being Mardi Gras, right. like I was, I was cripplingly homesick, and I am every right. year uh, around Mardi Gras. I mean, I, I don't know, but but the rest of the year, I, I guess because um, because we've been here for ten years now, and and right. you know, kids are born here, and I, you know, I don't. Who knows? Maybe someday we'll move. I mean, the nature right. of my job means it's always a possibility, Good. but it's not. You know, there's nothing on the horizon right. that says we're moving. I, I don't know. I guess I'm a little bit comfortable calling Raleigh, a little more comfortable maybe than you are calling Raleigh home. But there are like, there are things that are not here that right. where I grew up that like everything else about Raleigh is far better than Alabama. But there are certain things like ah, Raleigh's idiotic. They don't know what the hell yeah, they're doing yeah. here. <laughs> I know when I when I do go back home, if you want to call it that. I refer to this as home. Yeah. So it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Whatever you're not, apparently, is where you want to be. Um, Grass is always greener. Yeah, and I, I cannot move. I'm yeah. mostly cemented in this area, yeah. so I do like it. I like the seasons better. I like the weather better. Mm-hmm. Hell, you know, I, was, I was in western New York two weeks ago, and I went curling outside in downtown Buffalo, and it was an outdoor rink that was negative five. I don't know what the wind chill was. <laughs> And, you know, I'm drinking outside, and that was fun, And but it's just so cold. You know, right. I don't remember that kind of cold. I'm sure it was, but it now I think I've adjusted to it, and I just yeah. think to myself, what in God's name are we all thinking about sitting around outside at negative five? I mean, I'm in an icebox, you right. know, and I, I had a I had a Red Bull and vodka and a red Solo cup in my hand, wearing gloves. Curling is a weird sport. Never done it before. It's kind of fun. And it's, but it's so cold that your drink is beginning to slush. Yeah. And you're like, wow, this is not a good sign. So I went to set it down, and it blew up my hand. Like, the cup actually just cracked all on the outside and it disintegrated. And I was like, man, we shouldn't be outside. <laughs> this is a bad <laughs> idea. You know, and you don't think about it when you live there. It's just day-to-day. Drinking you know? outside is a good metaphor for the differences between Raleigh and Buffalo, yes. where, yes. you know, one, we do it because it's nice out, and the other one, you do it because that's the only way you're going to survive <laughs> outside. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Buffalo, there's a lot of good quotes. I mean, my favorite one is it's a, it's a drinking town with a sports problem. Right. You know, and, and it's true. We, we're definitely a drinking town with a sports problem. <laughs> um, people are friendly there. You know, I, I think that what you miss is a, maybe this is a man-woman thing, is that as a, as a man, you grew up, certain friends you meet at age five, and they stay your friend the rest of your life. Right. Women seem to cycle out of friends every 10 years, maybe even earlier. Right. And I know my wife is always questioning why I don't just meet more people down here. I'm like, it's not the same thing, you know. Yeah. And the best way I can describe it is is that when I go home, if you want to call it home, I have people will stop over. I stay at my partner's house. And, like, my one friend, Huck, we call him, he, uh, he's a prison guard. And at midnight when he gets off, he just pops in and has a beer at his house. Now, that's awesome. I, I really enjoy that conversation yeah. until 1 in the morning. But that's never going to happen for me here of because course. there's no one I've known for the last 30 years that right. I can just tap on their wall. Well, and, there's yeah. no one you care about enough no, to yeah. interrupt your sleep yeah. at midnight. <laughs> so it's, it's a weird thing. I mean, I guess if I could move them down with me, that would be awesome. Um, but it, those bonds you make as a, a young person or a young child are very difficult to replace as you get older. Um, it comes from a lot of things. It comes from sports. It comes from community, school. Um, Maybe we should all be more community involved in Raleigh. It probably wouldn't hurt anything, I guess. Yeah. It, it, it's a big town and with such a huge transient population. Mm-hmm. Nobody seems to be from here. We're of course. From somewhere else. And they all have different experiences, but they're all standoffish. Mm-hmm. You know, we have neighbors we barely know because you know, they're from Cleveland or they're from. Right. It's like, you know, we got to stop saying who I am is where I'm from. 
and then change it to who I am is where I live. Right. You know? and I, I live in Raleigh. You right. Know? I'm a Raleighite now. If you, that's what it's called. I don't even know. I think it is Raleighite. <laughs> um, but you know, there's there's cultural changes. You know, snow snow days. You know, right. it, it's crippling down here. And a lot of times, I blame the Weather Channel. I blame WRAL. I mean, last week is a good example. I mean, everybody seems to have an SUV. Snow's an inch. We ain't going anywhere. You know. Right. And back back in Western New York, if snow's two feet, and you go you go to job, you go to work. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, our employees are difficult because I just want to grab them and tell them that a third of the country drives in snow to work every day this is not a valid excuse unless it's an emergency but it's a cultural thing right and you cannot change a cultural thing you right know, it snows we go to the store we stock up we get out as i guess also as you want to shake your employees and tell them look you know this is not a valid excuse for missing work there also has to be the part of you though that sit, stops uh steps back and thinks Oh, but you know what? If my employees are thinking this, chances are X percentage of yeah. customers are thinking yeah, this it's way too. Very difficult to, to bring people out of their houses. I know capital is unique in itself. It seems to be surrounded by more maybe Western New Yorkers or a blue collar crowd. Mm-hmm. And if it snows there and we open up, if we can get it open, and usually we can, we're busy. And it's yeah. not busy in the the restaurant. It's busy at the bar, yeah. it, which is a definitely a, a unique Western New York thing. Like you. You walk to the bar, you drink all day, you walk home. <laughs> and, you know, last week was a good example of that. We were packed at 1 in the afternoon. And I, I went there, actually, and kind of put a smile on your face. You're like, yeah, let's do some, <laughs> some day drinking here in the middle, <laughs> middle of a storm. That sounds good. Um, but, those are the, you know, there's ups and downs to everything, I guess. Yeah. Um, when, you, uh, when you came down from Western New York, and I want to jump back to what you were saying about uh, your fish fry, is the Western New York-style yeah. fish fry. Were, were you – planning i know you originally you guys opened a pizza place so i guess you weren't initially planning on wings yeah we were we were far too short-sighted to see the big picture yeah you know we thought what we had was a pizza Mm -hmm. to sell and it turns out what we had to sell was wings yeah our first year opening carrie is a pizzeria if we didn't have wings we wouldn't have been open because that's all we sold um it turned out there was a, a need in the marketplace for chicken wings at the time they were pretty cheap so we were pretty happy um and over time, the menu grew, and the people got, you know, more diverse in their ordering. But the problem with wings now is that they're no longer cheap. You yeah, know, it's your people are paying. I think right now we're at ten ten for ten wings. We'll wow. soon be at ten fifty, and I would be willing to bet by mid next year everybody will be at eleven plus. Yeah, because it, it, there's only so many wings on a chicken. Everybody <laughs> right. wants to eat them. Um, sports have a huge impact on it. Mm-hmm. And truth be told, you know, we'll raise prices until you get pushback. Because you want to make as much money as you can, and right now the the margin on those wings at ten ten is not good enough. Yeah. Um, but nobody says anything; they just keep buying them. And yeah. now, personally, I like wings. I don't eat them that much, but I like them. If I went to a restaurant and it was twelve bucks, I'd find something else. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't complain or leave, but I would just choose a different item. Right. What's What's strange about chicken wings, not just buffaloes anywhere, is that people like them so much. They're willing to pay almost any price for them. <laughs> um, you know, you're you're buying basically a, a, a chicken breast or a crappy steak now for the price of a chicken wing, and that's that's your thing. Then great, I we have wings to sell you, and please come in and eat them. Right. But uh, if it's not, I, I understand it's it's a crazy amount of money to pay for an ounce of meat. You know? Yeah, <laughs> it's just one of those things. Did you fall into uh, the stereotype of buffalo of Buffalonians or Western Buffalonians, New Yorkers? I guess. Yeah. Um, that uh, it was it was sort of tough to uh, accept you had to do different flavors of chicken wings? Um, 
No, the flavors actually were fun. I, yeah. I, I liked that part about it. I think I was shocked at the ranch thing. It was like, <laughs> like that's his ranch. Why isn't he buying blue cheese? Because we were so used to blue cheese. Right. People ordered blue cheese with their pizza in in New York. But you know, the, the, the weird thing to me with the ranch or blue cheese, like I'll just for me, you, your Raging Cajun flavor, far mm. and away, is my favorite. Oh, good deal. Um, wing flavor. I almost don't understand why people get any kind of dressing with that one. Yeah, it's so good. It, yeah, you don't need it. You know, and, and, it's and like that's, the barbecue. You don't need exactly. The... <laughs> like they, it's not to say that buffalo sauce is not good. I like, I like, sure. uh, you know, hot buffalo wings. Um, but you know, part of that flavor to me is also the hint of, of for me, it's like you, it's blue cheese, right? Um, but uh, but boy, people are married to their dressings. When they it comes they to are. Work. They are. It's weird. You know, we go through a lot of a lot of ranch and a lot of blue cheese. Yeah. Um, I think it's finally almost equalized, actually, in the, in the, if there was a war on which <laughs> close. But I, I think the weirdest thing for me was a it's, a, it's a verbal cue, I guess. People would order a 10-piece or a 20-piece. Right. I'd never heard that as a kid. I just, when you order wings, you order a single double. Right. That was it. I don't even know what single double actually means anymore, but... <laughs> 10-piece or a 5-piece was a KFC term. Yeah. Again, I think the chains actually got people to say things a certain way, and it was very strange. But that, too, we, in western New York, it's funny. We're known for chicken wings, but that's not what we eat. Like, yeah. People eat pizza. By far and away, pizza is way more popular in western New York than anywhere else in the country. Uh-huh. And I remember Wednesday nights when I was a kid was pizza night. We were a large pizza from Jerry's with, a, like, t- 12 wings, a single order of wings. Yeah. And a family of four would eat, like, a couple wings apiece. It was a side item, not a meal. Yeah. And it's seemingly here, or just in general now everywhere, wings are a meal. Like yeah. It's, it's something you eat as a, a you know, staple food, and I think you're better off eating the pizza for your own safety anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but they are good. Are there flavors that you have, like kind of crazy flavors you guys have experimented with, that just for whatever reason you can't make it? Yeah, anything you point. put butter in is scary. Like yeah. Was, uh, the cooks and the staff always want to do some kind of buttery wing, and it's just... You serve that, and you just start feeling really bad about it. And it's just like, <laughs> it's just butter. You know, you're, yeah. just, you're sopping a fry thing in butter. It doesn't taste quite right. Um, the hot wing is the, is the fun, the most fun one. Yeah. You know, that ludicrous wing we do. Uh, the reactions of people is generally just hysterical. Do you um, remember when you brought it into the uh, 96 Rock studio? I do remember that. <laughs> Who's the guy that ate that? <laughs> Sorry, intern gave you the finger. <laughs> yeah. What was his name? Uh, we called him Fat Boy. Fat Boy um, that's right. He went to prison twice. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Post or before? Both. All right, nice. <laughs> we picked him well. Yeah, he seemed then. like a decent guy at the time, but uh, he was he was funny when he was eating them. That was for sure. Yeah. Oh, he he lost his mind. And then uh, there's a story I'll have to tell you. I don't know if Salt ever told you. I'll have to tell you. We stopped recording about because uh, if you remember that morning, you brought him in. Yeah. You brought him in because we were doing sort of a launch party with you for lunch that yep. day. Yep. Um, I had to be on a plane. I think to my cousin's wedding down in Tampa. So I, I missed it. Salt did the launch party. Um, have you heard this story of him? I have, I have okay, not. I'll have to tell you all yeah, the recording. Good. The folks at Raleigh and Company will uh, <laughs> will never let me do this show again. We used to do. Um, we're partners with the Hurricanes, or if you want to call it that, they were allowed to say something. I think it's proud proud partner of the Carolina Hurricanes. Right. That we're allowed to say, but uh, we spend money and they let us put our name on stuff. But during the game, we do on ice promotions, and this year it's human bowling. Uh, because they ended our last one, which was the wing, ludicrous wing challenge. I don't know if you ever saw that. Or nah. Not. They would do in the first intermission. They got two really unlucky people to eat <laughs> five boneless wings, yeah. covered in ludicrous sauce. So they prep the sauce. The winner gets wings for a year, and they'd be on camera, and everybody would see them. 
And the general rule was you'd eat as fast as you could because you want to eat them fast. But the problem with that is you're not giving it time to actually react to your body. Right. And we're putting in those is so volatile and so terrible that it takes a second. It's actually an oil. So they had to have EMS standing by because three different people went to the hospital yeah. afterward. Because the natural reaction of, of hot food is for your, just your skin to swell. Yeah. You couldn't breathe. So by year's end, they said no more of that. It, it seems like a really bad idea. We'll go with the human bowling. But I think people's faces are the best, and it seems to be a, a dude thing. You know, you get the testosterone going. Your buddies right. say you got to do it. And we did a golf tournament over the summer, and the entire challenge was eat one wing at hole number two. And uh, you got, like, entered for a $500 gift card to Briar Creek. Uh-huh. And it was a bunch of older men. And I, we, they all cried. I mean, they, I don't know oh, why yeah. they kept doing it. And it was just like, you know, that guy just did it, and he's running around like a chicken. <laughs> and uh, I'll do it, I'll do it. And I'm sure it ruined their day. You know, yeah. The whole two of 18, that, that's going to be a really miserable 16 yeah. in front of you. But it's always funny. I think it's more of a joke for us now at this point than it is for the customers. What was the process like developing that sauce? Um, I mean, like, there had to be iterations where you were, like, not hot enough. Well, yeah. The problem was we kept making them hotter. And, you know, with in-house ingredients. And customers are coming in and say, oh, it's not hot enough. This isn't hot enough. And it got to the point where it was like. You must have, like, one regular customer, one group yeah, of regular customers you, know, you knew would be Finally, it was like a goal. Like, all right, you son of a bitch. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to burn you. So uh, we ended up, I found some stuff online. And um, one of the main ingredients is just pure capsaicin oil extract, mm-hmm. which has no real flavor. It right. Just, it just hurts. It's heat. So we add that to the, the mix, and it costs about 100 bucks to make a gallon of this stuff, but it goes a long way. Right. And, and now it's the point where even those people that say they like it, I mean, they're, they're burning up, and you can see it yeah. on them. So I, just re- I, I refuse to be bested by somebody who can do it. So, <laughs> um, I think we won, which, yeah. is, <laughs> which is good. Have you uh, ever eaten them, or how often? I cannot eat them. You cannot I, eat I've, them. I've taken a toothpick. And literally, if you dot it to the sauce, yeah. you put it on your tongue, your mouth gets hot. Yeah. And then that's as I far remember. as I'll go. Yeah. yeah I just, I wouldn't, I don't want to do it myself. I'd probably roll around in the snow or something if we had any. <laughs> but uh, it, it's too hot. Yeah. Well, Matt Boyd, thanks so much, man. Thank you. Again, a big thank you to uh, Matt Boyd. Always uh, always good to hang out with him at the Buffalo Brothers location. We recorded that one, uh, the one on Lake Boone Trail, uh, very early in the morning, or at least early in terms of, of uh, restaurant business, well before the rush. We just sat down in the uh, what was supposed to be the buffet area and, uh, and had a good little chat. All right, next week's episode is uh, Lionel Vatianet uh, from La Farm Bakery. Very exciting to have Lionel on uh, as he's just been nominated for the Best Baker in America Award uh, from the James Beard Foundation. So uh, look for that next week, and uh, we'll talk to you then. Saturns, you and I say, thank goodness for the good souls.